0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs' magic draft, will finish off his big board. Yesterday we did 1 through 10, and let's see where we end up today. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel today to get started. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And if you follow Draft Twitter, then you know... My co-host, Mr. Mavs Draft, one of the most well-known guys in the whole draft Twitter space. And yesterday, he dropped off his top 10 on his latest big board. And do you want, first of all, how are you doing today? So you got on a, it looks like it's a Pelican shirt. It has an Adidas sign. So that means it's somebody that's probably not on the team anymore. <laughs> Who are you represent today?
1: You know, I'll tell a little, it's like a 10 second story. I had a choice in, uh I don't remember where it was. It was like in New York or something. I went to champs and for whatever reason, you know, New York at the obvious spot where Pelicans gear is sold, they they had two jerseys and I i chose this one, but the other one was Tyreek Evans. Uh, and this <laughs> one is uh Drew holiday. So yeah, big throwback. Of, ironically, I wear this to the gym all the time and I don't play like a defense, but you know, <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, the listeners can't see it, but if you're on YouTube, you can actually see it's New Orleans and the Adidas sign is a dead giveaway that it's somebody that is not on on the roster from from my view, I was like, oh, it's an Anthony Davis shirt I mean that's <laughs> but anyway, so yesterday you did your your top 10. we touched on a few names outside of your top 10. Do you want to uh, can you refresh the audience on on your your top 10?
1: Yeah, so I had the the normal top two, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, then Amen Thompson, Kim Whitmore, Brandon Miller, Keontae George. That's the top six. And then to close out the top ten, the final four are Grady Dick, Bryce Sensabaugh, Gigi Jackson, and Anthony Black.
0: All right, so number 11. Who is number 11 on your latest big board?
1: Yeah, this is somebody I've had right at the 11 spot, 11, 12 for most of the year. And I I feel pretty confident on it. And that's Nick Smith at Arkansas. He's a guy who I still don't know what his best role on ball is in the NBA, but I do know that he can shoot the lights out and he's what, six, five. I think there's at least there's always going to be a spot for him. He's there because of the floor. I don't know if I necessarily see the stardom in him, but I do see a shot maker, which I really do think he sticks because of that alone.
0: Yeah, very small sample size—three, four games—and I, I saw a report today that he's back practicing, so he's going to finish out the season, which was consistent with what his dad was telling people. Yeah, his role is going to be interesting, right? Because the three games that he played, with the three games that he played where he wasn't on a minutes restriction, he was—he was aggressive, he was assertive, he wasn't easing his way back back in. And it'll be interesting. Arkansas needs the shooting. So um, I just want to see how it impacts Anthony Black and and Ricky Council. Um, But Arkansas, I mean, they they beat Kentucky. So um, it's crazy that they're not ranked. You know, coming into the season, a lot of people thought they were going to be really, really good. Um, But obviously they've had some injuries. One of the things that I've consistently heard about him was most – scouts that I spoke with thought he was phenomenal at McDonald's and the practices at the Nike Hoop Summit, which is why they had him as their top guard. I mean, they had him over Keontae. And you know, I wonder how much of that is going to factor in to where he's drafted, even if he finishes, even if he struggles in his finish and the way he finishes the season. So it's almost like He didn't have to come back if he was just trying to protect his draft stock. I think he would have been a lottery pick regardless if he never played again um, for Arkansas. But I have to give him credit. He's trying to play. And it was kind of like Cole Anthony a couple years ago when he had that injury. And I didn't think he was going to come back. And I remember... Like the first game he came back, he went to the free throw line like 17 times. And I was like, okay, this guy is wired, totally different. But, you, you, you know, on one hand it's risky, but on the other hand you you love to see the competitive fire as opposed to somebody that's just mailing it in. All right, at number 12, who is number 12 on your big board?
1: Yeah, so number 12, I, I feel like this still follows suit here. Um, you could argue that number 13 has a good case about both these guys. But I have Casey Wallace. I've been enamored with his three-point shooting I think even though it's free throw percentage, I haven't looked at it recently. I know, um, the stats have changed since we last recorded too, but I know the free throw percentage is like similar to Oce Baji, floats near 68, 69, 70%, which is really weird. Um, but sometimes that's the anomaly and not the three point shooting. The three point shot looks real and he might be the best defensive playmaker in college basketball in terms of prospects. Um, That's a special combination. Like, he's not overly big or anything, but he's going to be a very good defender in the NBA while being a good scorer.
0: Do you think there's more to his game than he's been able to show?
1: It's Kentucky. Like, the answer has to, by default, be yes. Like, I said, I've I've done this before with so many of the guys, like Maxie, I really was wrong about because I fell for the Kentucky trap. I'm not doing it again. I'm giving him (laughs) the benefit of the doubt.
0: Yeah, Maxie, I was just concerned about his shot. Thought he had a low release, and I didn't think he'd be able to get it off against yep. length. That's and... how I thought too. <laughs> totally wrong. What's very interesting about Maxi is, um, he had a game in high school where he played R.J. Hampton, and R.J. destroyed him. <laughs> and and it's just interesting that their careers are in totally different spots with R.J. You know, not in the best situation in Orlando as far as minutes. And then Tyrese is a guy that some people think may get a max deal or, or close to it. So very interesting there. All right, number 13. Who is 13 on your, on your big board?
1: Yeah, so I hinted at it. Uh That's Osar Thompson. Uh, and I, I think I'm saying it right. I, I still don't know. So correct me if I'm wrong there. But uh, I talked to somebody at OTE, and they called him the best defender, they've ever seen. If I'm not mistaken, I might be misquoting them. So they're not listening, but the defensive upside with, with both Thompson twins really is incredibly high. My worry is just, we've talked about it. The touch at the rim outside of dunks. I, I do worry about that. I don't know what the stat currently is, but the last time we, we looked on synergy, I mean, it was below 50%. And then also how real is the shot? Those two things I need to see, but you like to see the improvement that he's made over the last year as a shooter. He's still you know, playing below college level. It's always going to be a flag, but also at the same time, he is getting better at, at his jump shot, which is a big weakness. Could be a positive sign.
0: I can't wait for Summer League just to get a chance. I mean, it would be too late then. They've already been on. They've already been drafted by that point. But just to evaluate them in a different setting. I know they've played some exhibition games, and I, I spoke to a guy that played for – Adelaide 36ers who they, who they played um, in the preseason. And he was kind of like, yeah, we didn't take the game serious because we had to play the Suns. you know, a couple of days later, it was kind of thrown in there. So he was like, you know, he, he was impressed by the athleticism, but he was like, we didn't really have to guard them because they couldn't necessarily shoot. And this is the perspective of a player. And his thing was, yeah, they're on on paper. Their numbers look good. It looks like they really played us tight. But he's like, you know, think of it from the mindset of we're coming from Australia, we're getting ready to play the Suns, and I think they played the Thunder. And then at the last minute, there's a schedule against overtime. He said we, you know, we weren't really taking that that game really serious. So I guess the only thing you can go by is maybe their game against Mega this summer when they went to to Europe. And then at the TBT tournament, they played a, a team full of Creighton alums. So it's going to be interesting. And even the Combine, they're not going to play at the Combine. <laughs> so they're just going to get measured at the Combine. So we we, we won't see them until Summer League. So it's going to be very interesting.
1: Yeah, that's true. I know I, I was, yeah, was going to say, I mean, even at the Combine, that might be our first taste. And then I realized, what do they have to gain by playing at the Combine?
0: yeah they won't be at the combine, even though Jalen Williams made a big name for himself. he jumped in the lottery because of his performance at the combine, and he's going to be first team all rookie <laughs> so it, i'm I'm curious to see if other agents are are they going to start hiding their guys, or is somebody going to take advantage of the top guys not playing like like Jalen Williams did? All right, who rounds out your lottery?
1: Yeah, this is somebody who I have no idea why there's n- not very much top 20 hype for this guy, let alone. I mean, there's guys that don't have him in this first round. And that's City Sissoko on the G League Ignite. I am absolutely enamored by him. I think he's got the perfect frame for the role he plays. He's a defensive nightmare, I think, in the G League. I think it's almost hidden because defense is so clouded in in the G League. And then he's a great finisher in traffic. I mean, he dumps everything. It doesn't matter if there's one, two guys at the rim. He will go for the dunk. Uh, I think he's crafty. Now, that being said, he still needs to learn how to play under control. But um, if that jump shot translates, which I think it will, all the statistical indicators seem to say it's real. The form needs a little bit of improvement, but I think there is a lot to work with there, that, uh, that he could be a pretty connecting wing is how I see it.
0: Yeah, I have him as a second round... Hick, I think one of my knocks on him was I felt like if he got a screen, he didn't get downhill enough. He has the body, he has the, the frame. And there were too many times on his film, at least in my opinion, where he had a, a good ball screen and he shot a step back jumper. And I've I've been watching him for a couple of years. I mean, I, I paid attention to him back when he was playing in second division Spain last year. I, I like him, I like him a lot. Um, and he's had some good games. But he could be this year's Dyson Daniels. You, you just you just never know. I mean, with with the with the G League, because Dyson Daniels definitely wasn't the guy that I thought was going to be there, the highest pick last year, and and he was. And and there are some similarities there. All right, when we return, we will start the the guys that just missed his lottery. But we have to talk to you about our new sponsor that we are very excited about, and it is FanDuel, and FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that is even better because they have so many great features that actually make betting on sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spreads and who will score a touchdown. And the, the app is safe. It's secure and it's super easy to use. And the best thing is you can get paid your winnings instantly. So download the FanDuel app and join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and locked on. And the trade deadline is approaching Locked On has you covered. So today, February 9th, tune in to the Locked On NBA YouTube channel at 2 o'clock Eastern to hear the reaction from the trades that would change the rest of the season and who will become contenders and who is tanking for a better future. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA on YouTube and do not miss a deal. We already had a big deal with the Lakers and Wolves and... And the jazz, very interesting to me because I'm trying to figure out what eighth grader <laughs> is going to <laughs> be selected in 2027. I got it. I'm sure there's a site on there that has a bunch of the top eighth graders, so I'm gonna have to check it out. All
1: right, who's number 15 on your board? Yeah, so in volume one of this, we talked about him a little bit, but uh, Jerris Walker. If you didn't listen yesterday, go ahead and check that out. I uh, think we had also a good conversation we could still pick up from here, which is, you know, I, I'm a little bit torn. Is he a high-end role player? Is he an okay role player? Is he going to be a star? Personally, I, I lean towards the being a good role player more than kind of emerging into that star role. But I know you're also a lot higher on him than I am.
0: Yeah. I mean, the last few games, I don't know what he did um, in the game. They, they had a game today. It was an easy they,
1: game. There was nothing of note, honestly. That game was over 10 minutes in. It was like 80 to 42. There there was no negative, no positive. He didn't really stand out, but he definitely was not bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, six points, eight rebounds, 21 minutes. I see Sasser had a good game, 25 points, getting that three-point percentage back up. But I like Walker, and I'll be honest, man. Like, this summer, he was one of the guys that really popped out to me, and then I dropped him a little bit at the beginning of the season because he was just kind of playing a role, right? He was, he looked more so like a hustle guy. And I've mentioned it before several scouts told me like, you can't judge him on his games. You got to go watch Houston practice. And now the stuff that he's doing now is everything that I've been hearing about that he was doing in practice. And I think the passing upside is really going to stand out in the NBA. I think he's going to be a guy that a creative coach can, can have fun with. I mean, you can run four or five pick and rolls. I think he can make um, passes from the high post. So I'm, I'm high on him. I'm actually, I mean, you can make a case at least right now, I mean, outside of this blowout game that they had that he is, I mean, you can make a case and say outside of Brandon Miller, he may, he may be the second or third best freshman in in the country. It's debatable, but that's, that's,
1: I I think that's fair. And one other thing that I think is going to make him intriguing that I've, I've personally, maybe I just haven't been paying attention, but something nobody has talked about with him is how really much of a weapon he has of that floater in the game before the Tulsa game, he had two or three of them where he was just hitting him and it's such clean form. It's quick. And he can do it over defenders when you're six, eight and you have that floater weapon as an in-between that's a, that's something that could be a game changer. So I want to see how that keeps developing. If you can use that a little bit more off the dribble, a lot of times it's off like flashes where like there was Sean Holmes push shot kind of thing, but there's upside to doing it off the dribble. He's done both.
0: Yeah, man. His touch is interesting to me because, you know, coming into the night to to the game against Tulsa, he was shooting 42% from three, but he was also shooting 63% from the foul line. And at the beginning stages of the season, I, felt like I didn't see enough of like soft touch finishes. I felt like he missed a lot of those, those like floaters and just soft touches around the rim. And now it's like, it's sort of become a weapon. And I think that's part of the reason why he's um, you've seen like a, an uptick in his scoring. So he's someone that I'm not a hundred percent sure about his overall touch. Right. This is and I, obviously it can improve. But right now, the touch is just inconsistent to me. So um, that's something to to pay attention to. All right, number sixteen.
1: Yeah, and uh, one last thing on Jairus Walker, and then I'll I'll transition. But uh, Jairus Walker, according to synergy, fifty two percent on layups. That's it's kind of alarming. Um, but yeah, so number that was the 16, touch thing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So number sixteen, I've got Turquavion Smith. This is somebody who just such a role reversal of where we were a year ago where you had put out this tweet, you were like, I've got somebody that absolutely nobody is talking about as a lottery prospect. And I think one of like 30 comments got it. And I really thought I pegged it. I don't remember who it was. I thought maybe it was a shot in the dark. He's like Mike miles or Isaiah long, but uh, <laughs> it was not that it was Turk Smith. And you know, I've, I really see the light. I think you look at a very clear, great jump shooter, despite what the percentages say, I fully buy the three point shooting and just overall jump shooting And potentially a three-level score. Um, You know, the one place I hope he doesn't end up is Houston because North Carolina State runs, like, an identical offense, and it's just hard. It's just so many isos. Like, I like iso ball, but, like, not every single play. So I'd really like to see him end up in a good system, and I think he could be used both off ball and on ball. I mean, his spot-up ability off ball is ridiculous. That's the only time that he can get near the three-point line. So that's why those numbers are so low.
0: Do you like the Mavericks offense?
1: Oh, I'd I'd love that. Especially, I mean, as we're recording this, like Kyrie Irving's making his first is his debut. And I I was watching the first half some and I mean his off ball ability and Grant Luca's not there, but say Kyrie does come back, I, I think that would be perfect. Like that four man guard tree or quad whatever the, the the four of them with Hardy too would just be a ridiculously good core.
0: I was asking because the Mavs are like the number one ISO team in NBA. Like I did the numbers and Harden leads, and then it was like Luca was two and Dinwiddie was third, which is why I think Kyrie is going to be totally fine. And once once they start playing together, um, because I mean those are two monsters in the ISO. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know I've, I'm a Cravione guy. I'm just glad that they're winning this year. It's totally crazy because Sebron was a monster last year and without him I didn't think they'd be as good or at least I didn't expect him to be above 500 the last time I looked they were like 18 and 5 and they're going to be in, in the tournament and even when he's had like some off shooting games he's like contributed. I think he had a game this weekend where he didn't shoot the ball well but
1: he had a lot of assists so and my theory is what's that and he got to the line a ton, too.
0: Oh, yeah. he had Didn't he have a game where he – I want to say he had a game right after he got hurt.
1: Had yep. a game where he
0: had like 20-something points on yep. like two field goals or something like that. Yep. Maybe it was four field goals. <laughs> I mean, my theory is this. If he's Jordan Poole in a redraft, Jordan Poole is a lot And I think in a reduced role, he's going to look really good because he's such a good shooter off the catch. I don't know if he's going to be a starter – but I, I do think he's going to be a high-level top six, top seven rotation player that's going to be able to come in and give you 15 points per game. All right, so number 17.
1: Yeah, so there's a shooter who I've not acknowledged yet, and now I'm going to finally do that, which is Jet Howard out of Michigan. So for me, the reason he's lower, uh, I think he is ridiculously skilled, by the way, especially especially as a shooter in creating his own three point shot. He's even shown with some flashes too. For me though, the thing that really scares me with him is it's the opposite of Grady Dick, right? Like Grady Dick's probably one of the most mistake-free shooters in this draft. Whereas I think Jet Howard is very prone to making mistakes. And I'm curious because I think he gets, and I'm just completely speculating. I don't know how to actually true this is, but I'm, I think he gets a little bit longer of a leash playing for his dad. He's not going to get that same leash. How's the role going to change? It could go either way. So that's kind of why I'm a bit torn on that. But Jed Howard is uh, somebody who, I mean, at the minimum, he sticks. Like, there's there's zero doubt in my mind that he sticks in the league.
0: My question is, I'll be honest. This is what I do not like about him. I like the fact he can shoot. I like his size, like 6'8", 215. I don't know the best way to word this. So I'm trying to think of the nicest way to do it. But he's just, he doesn't mix it up, man. 2.6 rebounds per game. They had a game today against Nebraska. He played 31 minutes and grabbed one rebound. Like, he just doesn't want to mix it up. So I question how good is he going to be on the defensive end? Because if you don't want to mix it up and and grab (laughs) boards, then do you want to defend? So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's my concern.
1: Yeah, I I share the defensive concerns for me are very bad, Uh, like they're strong concerns. You know, something that held me back on Aaron Neesmith, granted Neesmith has actually really revived his career this year, is what did he do when he wasn't shooting the ball? And the answer was not much. And Jed Howard falls into the same boat. That's kind of why, like, even though Grady Dick, for example, like he doesn't do much when he's not shooting, but he doesn't, create negative plays. Whereas I think jet Howard is more susceptible to doing that. And that's what puts him much lower for me. That's totally
0: fair. I I totally get it. I mean, this guy has the body to, to, to bang and do a whole lot more, but it's just the mentality thing to me. So that is pretty concerning. All right. When we return, we'll finish out the rest of the first round. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. This is Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft. And we are at number 18, correct? Yep. All right. Who do you have at, at number 18? There's a laugh, you know, so me, this might be some crazy. I'm, I'm, let, me, let me relax. You know,
1: <laughs> it's funny. I think our last episode broke our streak of like 10 straight of saying one of two guys' names. And I'm going to pick that streak right back up. I've got Mike Miles at number 18. He's just somebody who across the board has been better this year. He's done everything that's been asked of him. I think outside of maybe not shooting threes very well, that's still a little bit behind the the curve, 31% from three. But, you know, freshman year, all the indicators were there, 36% from three, 83% from the line. The three-point, or excuse me, the free throw percentage is rising back. He was at 76 last year, 73 right now. So there's really strong indicators that, yes, in fact, he can shoot. But what's absolutely stuck out to me is, there's a change he made where two changes really at the rim and for being six, one, you have to be able to get to the rim. If you're going to stick in the NBA, like you cannot just be on the perimeter. You cannot just be passing. You cannot be doing just one thing. Kind of like we said with Jed Howard, you have to mix it up. So with Mike miles, he's been going last year. I think he did a very good job of going to the rim, taking contact, taking those hits, getting to the line, but he would ease off at first. Like I think once he got a few hits, he'd be like, all right, I'm going to stay on the perimeter now. Whereas this year he goes, no, I'm going to keep going to the rim and keep getting free throws. And he's hitting him. He's gone from four and a half attempts at the line to 6.6 ridiculous efficiency jump, by the way. Also, this was the other element of it. He stopped using his runner unless he absolutely had to. Whereas last year he was like, I'm going to hit the runner, hit the runner, hit the runner. He took it away 53% versus 38 last year. And that is by no means a fluke. I think he's going to be a very good backup point guard in this league. He sticks.
0: Yeah, I had someone tell me that last year. I think I mentioned it to you. It was a scout, and he said in a reduced role, where he doesn't have to do everything. He's going to be fine. And he, he said he's going to be a 10 year 10 year pro. One of his comparisons was Monty Morris. He thought that he could be a, you know, a serviceable starter, but definitely top six, seven, eight rotation guy that can, you know, play 18 to 20 minutes per game for about 10 years. So that you feel like that's worthy of 18? Because, I mean, realistically, if he's Monty Morris in a redraft, that's probably about where he goes. But, you know, usually lottery people are going for someone who they think is going to be a starter, you know, just Upside, not saying that he doesn't have high upside, um, but it's kind of like the weird thing that we've seen him for three years. And even though he chose to improve and get better in college, it's usually kind of like a knock against them. And people are gonna, most people on their big boards are gonna have like some freshmen <laughs> because they think the freshman yeah. has a higher upside. But are are you comfortable if that's how he ends up a top seven, eight rotation guy? You're comfortable with that at eighteen?
1: Yeah, I mean, also he's still only twenty years old till August. Like, yeah, he's still young. He's he's the youngest upperclassman in the country. So I think that's actually almost a positive for him is how much yep. experience. Like he was teammates with Cade Cunningham and Greg uh, Greg Brown in college, or excuse me, AAU. He's, so he's uh, younger than
0: Brandon Miller too. Yeah, younger so, than the Thompson
1: twins. Yeah, it's ridiculous, like how how uh, his age actually almost works for him. But yeah, I think the eighteen to twenty minutes a game at that spot. I mean, just looking at the the NBA draft uh, from twenty seventeen, the win shares. It's a flawed stat. Like by no means am I saying this that Monty Morris is this rank, but he's listed as the seventh best player. Once you hit like eighteen, that's where there are only about eighteen to twenty five guys that truly stick, stick. from every yeah. draft. Yeah, and for me. There'll be 25, I think, this year at least. And he's probably going to be better than at least seven of them. So I'm fine with 18. That's where I fully imagine he'll end up at the end of the year, too.
0: I love it, man. Way outside the box. <laughs> I haven't seen anybody put him as a first-rounder, and you have him in the team. So I just respect how you, you're sticking <laughs> to, your, to your guy. All right, number 19.
1: Yeah, so number 19, uh, this is somebody who I still need to watch more. But I like Max Lewis at Pepperdine. I think he's just a very. Uh, I, I actually, before I even dive into his game, do you think he's the best sophomore in the draft? Uh, no, Torquembyon. Yeah, I, it's between those two for me. I mean, they're. they're I think only there's, there's
0: somebody else I'm probably missing. There's someone else. Um, but yeah, I mean, Torquembyon comes comes to mind, the first person that comes to mind, but there might be somebody else.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of wide open. So that stat of like the slam dunk sophomore goes out the window, but I really like Maxwell or Max Lewis is what I, I heard on actually like no ceilings. I think said they interviewed yep. him or something and he prefers Max. Um, so for him, I just, I like his scoring ability. I like his overall offense. His defense is a work in progress, but so is Pepperdine's as a whole. So <laughs> I'm interested to see how he scales up. I think he's a really fun upside play as a sophomore.
0: So in that range, it could be Max Lewis to Jordan Hawkins, yeah, the guy that I thought was going to be there was um, Arthur Kaluma. That's what I thought it was going to be, but Creighton's turning around. Um, <laughs> you can make case that he's their third, fourth best player this year. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So all right, <laughs> at number twenty, who do you have at number twenty?
1: All right, this is uh, we're getting to my favorite parts, but I got Taylor Hendricks at UCF. I think just given the size, shooting, and defense. It it's just a slam dunk. He sticks. I probably am actually too low on him because of that. Uh, He should probably be closer to fifteen because he's a guy that mold that he he at a minimum is a three and D guy with some other areas that he can impact the game. Good rebounder too. He's probably going to be one of the higher end role players. So I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, I have him at. I think I had him at twenty on my last mock. Who do you have at twenty one?
1: It depends on how much time we have. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is my next one. I, I am absolutely in on this guy. To me, in the shortest version, is just Dwight Powell with defense. And the difference, though, is I think he has more creativity with the ball in his hands. Um, he can handle pressure. Right now, everybody knows what he's doing on a pick and roll, so he's swamped on that. He can't even do his his pick and roll stuff, and he's still dominating college basketball. He's a walking 20-20 Super efficient. Um, I don't think he needs a jump shot. I, I know that's the big knock on everybody, you know, keeping him high. But he, what does he need? What else does he need to do? There's plenty of bigs that stick in the league. He plays defense, great at the rim. That's a role in the NBA that really works.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I can't wait to see him at the combine because I imagine he's at least going to do drills. For some reason, something is telling me that he is going to. Not saying he's going to shoot lights out, but we're going to see something that we haven't seen. I think he yeah. – Going to be
1: fine.
0: All right, 21.
1: Yeah. So are we at, at 21 20, or uh, We're at 22. And also okay. with Trace, like one last thing, I mean, his free throw percentage has risen just about every single year. So it wouldn't shock me. But at 22, I have Colby Jones out of Xavier. He's somebody who is really long arms. I fully buy the shooting, three level scoring potentially. And I think he just impacts the game in every which way. He can do whatever you ask him to do, he's going to do it. It feels like he gets either a steal or block a night. He's racking up the boards, he's passing, he's scoring. He can just do anything in any given moment. He's an ultimate role player.
0: Yep. Perfect, like, connective tissue that is a late first-round pick that goes to a a decent team and and ends up, like, finding a role in the niche as a rookie. I totally see that. 23.
1: Yeah, at 23, I have uh, Ryan Rupert out of uh, the New Zealand Breakers from France. He's an interesting one because I still don't know how much I buy the jumper. Uh, a lot of smarter people than me, they they really don't like his jump shot. So I'm kind of leaning. It's, it's
0: funny. Like it has like a long. It's a hitch. Yeah. A hitch. I, so I, I was asking his agent. I said, is it a hitch or is it just looks funny because his wingspan is so long? Because <laughs> it's like a 7'3 wingspan on a 6'6 frame.
1: It's almost but... like Vassell in that regard. Like Devin Vassell's shot looks weird, but I think it's because he has long arms.
0: Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, their their season is over now. It's crazy. So his his final stats are – those are his final stats. And the biggest thing for me is I wonder how many teams actually had a chance to evaluate him and watch him live. It can't be few. a whole lot.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, he missed a ton of time. <laughs> yep. All right, 23? 24. So I'll round 24. out the top 25 together because they're actually teammates. Uh, I've got Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski – um for lively I feel like over the last two three weeks we've seen him really turn a corner in aggression at least on the defensive end where i think he's averaging like four blocks a game or something ridiculous in that yeah. span and with multiple games over five or six yeah it was like uh, just 17
0: in like three games or something like that yeah
1: it's absurd and it's really nice because now he's living up to that defensive potential offense still needs to come along that's why he's not rising even more but the defense is there i like that and then his teammate kyle filipowski You know, I wish that the three-point percentage was higher, but free throw percentage is almost 80% at at seven foot 6'11". And I like his ability to pass on the move. He's a guy who, when his shot isn't falling, he still finds a way to impact the game. And personally, I don't know about you, but I like his defense enough to not be a massive liability. I thought he was going to be a horrible liability. Hasn't been that at all.
0: Yeah, I think he's a better defender than he gets credit for. I do think it's just the... You know, when you see a white guy, it's, it's, I think some people just automatically yeah. assume not a good defender, right? <laughs> and then it's like – and and the reverse is you see a guy that's athletic and you assume good defender. Maxwell Lewis is the perfect example of a guy that is athletic and is not really a good defender. Yeah. So I t- totally get
1: that. All right, 26. Yeah, so I'll kind of hammer the – to get and finish the top 30. So I got Leonard Miller at 26. This is something I just – the shooting, you know, I wish it was better, but almost everything else he excels at. And I'm not gambling against the G League Ignite, especially that he's what, six ten and has point guard skills. That's he's really a lot better since yeah, last year. He's improved. And and to me that matters. Yeah. Crazy thing
0: is we talked I talked about it with Sam. He was the shiny toy last year and now nobody's talking about him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's weird almost like actually my number 27 kind of the same thing over the summer i think this guy was hyped as the number one international guy and that's nicola uh, i'm gonna botch it but yeah and i've really liked him i think the stats and efficiency are lagging and that is kind of a flag that's why he's not so so high but i think it's six eight when you have those ball skills it's intriguing
0: and, and serbian players usually they they do They'd well work. i mean they're so skilled and they never like pass the eye test athletically, but they're just so skilled and just know how to do so many different
1: things. All right, the last three. Yeah, so I got somebody who actually could enter the conversation for best sophomore um, uh, down the road. I don't think he's there yet, but Muhammad Gway, uh, uh, Gay, I think is how you say it. I forget. Yeah. He had a, I think his brother's on the Legends, but I really like him. Six eleven, seven foot with ball skills. Really like that at Washington State.
0: I like it a lot. I thought the three point shooting percentage he showed flashes last year. I thought the numbers would be better, but he had yeah. a monster game. Of, I want to say like a week ago. And mm-hmm. he went from outside my top 60 to I had to put him in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's rising. And then the last two are two disappointing freshmen for different freshmen, for different reasons, 29 to Whitehead Whitehead. Um, hasn't looked like the high school version of himself seen some shooting flashes, but still the form needs a little bit of work and I'm not sold on that. Um, just injuries have hurt him. It's really unfortunate. And then lastly, cole uh, where I mean, has the tools to be great? I, I hate saying this, but does he want to be great? Like, the motor's really going to determine how good he ends up being.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's as black and white as plain as you can put it. It's all going to be based off of his motor. I talked about it uh, on an episode a few weeks back. I just don't understand why he went to Oregon. Like, why yep. like oh, yeah, I, think- I mean did you have a great visit and they gave you great nikes i mean like <laughs> you know they had two bigs coming in and or not coming in but they had two bigs there so it just to me just didn't make sense well that wraps up this episode always fun to to, to hear different opinions on big boys and mock draft and mock drafts So thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big Boy your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, you got to check out Game to Game. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow with Richard Stateman, and we are out.